Your your hair's looking good. Dapper. Thank you. Your beard too. It needs a cut. My hair needs cutting, I think, a bit. But... How, how was the eating, by the way? Like, how was it? Because our friend that got it here, he was like, it was everything just was like eating a piece of paper. Yeah, there was probably... Might as well being a piece of paper. My, my <laughs> smell went earlier, and then there was a, probably about a two... Probably about a three or four day period where my taste and my smell had both gone. And that was pretty rubbish, because I'd just eat an apple and it would just be like <laughs> nothing in my mouth. It was horrible. Um... And then, but that can yeah. last for months. So I'm pretty glad my s- taste and then my smell both came back uh, the other day. So yeah, I haven't had a really bad case of that, which is good. Because yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty crap. Not I was like spraying aftershave on my uh, <laughs> wrist and going like, and really trying. And I was like, I can't smell. It's so. It's a very weird. It's a really weird um, feeling to to know that something can smell. It smells. Like mm. I know that aftershave is a strong smell and I was like burying my nose yeah. in it and it was just nothing was coming through. Uh yeah, it was weird. That sounds insane mm. and not fun. No. But for some people it lasts ages and ages and for me it lasted like five, six days, so not too bad. Yeah. But your cough seems to have gone. Yeah, pretty much. It's still there a bit. I'll definitely be coughing a bit today because I'll be talking more than I have been. But uh, it's definitely gone. It's not like it was. It got really bad, which is why I took the test that showed that I had COVID. Because there was a day where it had like changed to a drier cough and was more persistent. And I was like, oh, there's something's not right about this. So I took a test. And, yeah. That's horrible. The, swab, the nose swab. I was like... <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like it at all. No. Yeah, sticking it in your no, throat and then sticking it up your nose and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the same one. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's how they do it. You you swab, you rub it on your tonsils and no. then you take it out and then you put it up your nose. <clears throat> that's like proper torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really shit. Um. Anyway, let's stop talking about COVID now. Let's talk about okay. Uh, pop culture. Yeah. Are you ready? I am always ready. What episode are we on now? 38? 38, that's, G. That's mad. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. So, <clears throat> hi everyone, welcome back to uh, the Culture Bucket Podcast. <clears throat> Sorry. We've been, away, Sorry. we've been away for a bit. No, we haven't, we're back. Uh, you heard us last week, or whatever. Uh, this is episode 38, which is um, top five coming of age films, and it's hot on the heels of our... Uh, Sound of Metal special, which I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, please let us know your thoughts on that. And um, today we're going to be talking about coming of age movies and catching up on some culture. And we haven't recorded a culture catch up in a while, so we're going to have uh, probably plenty of big, cool things to talk about, which is great. But I can't do it on my own, so I'm joined, as always, by my co host, Alex. Hi. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How are you, George? I'm good. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. 
Um, I have just recovered from having COVID-19, which was not good. But now I feel better. I've lost my cough, my smell and taste are back. So all is well, sort of, pretty much. Yeah. I haven't tested the limits of my. Beautiful. Thank you. I haven't tested the limits of how much energy I've got yet, but I'm I'm hoping I feel I feel like I should be able to operate as normal, which is good. Uh so like so that means we can record some podcasts. Yeah. 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 You know, if 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 uh, George says something weird today, blame the COVID. Don't blame George. Yeah. Well, that's more. That'll be more a result of the isolation rather than the uh, the COVID. It's it's been a weird. I'm right at the end of my uh, eleven days or so of um, of uh, not going outside, so I have gone a bit insane. But never mind, we'll get there. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm on holiday, which is fantastic. Uh, not much to do because you know COVID is still around, but a little bit more freedom, and yeah, it's all good. Good. Okay, let's get into some culture catch up. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. So I'm starting this week. Woo-hoo. Yes, you are. Very good. So I'm gonna talk about a series, a few films, and um. Uh, new album release uh, so let's start from this series uh, well first of all the new season of Working Mums is out uh, have you started watching it? yeah I've watched uh, f- oh, three episodes I think I've watched three episodes mm. so not all of it but I've started yeah, yeah I've watched <clears throat> about maybe four four episodes and I'm enjoying it I think is good um, yeah Maybe it's not as good as it used to be, but I think is up there. It's a good, still a good series. I think. Yeah. What do you think? Um, oh. probably it's it's kind of it's split the characters apart a bit, hasn't it? In this season, because it's moved Anne and her family to another part of Canada. Mm. Um, and the yeah. first three episodes have really focused on uh, Anne and her family. The first episode is pretty much just about her, and then. It's gone a bit into Kate, uh, Catherine Reitman's character, but it hasn't really looked at the yeah. other main characters yet, as far as I've seen. So the focus mm. has been a bit um, different, but it's been, I've enjoyed what I've watched of it. It's good. Yeah, I think the focus has been different because of COVID. I think that's what it's been. Yeah, I think. it was a bit weird, though, because the, 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 the first episode opens with them realising they're going to have to isolate because of COVID. Yeah. But then it kind of skips out to August, of presumably 2020 and then it acts yeah. as if covid doesn't exist anymore it's quite strange i know i was i was freaked out i was like where are the masks where are the where, where is the distance yeah but then i forgot about it uh yeah it's odd though um, it's like it's saying an alternate world where covid was a problem for like four months and then we just yeah but dealt with it which would have been lovely but isn't quite accurate but never mind no not at all <laughs> <laughs> Not no. at all, because uh, you know it's a uh, summer twenty twenty one, and you've just had COVID, so uh, it's not yeah. a problem that's gone. Unless unless mind. Canada I'm hasn't been to, unless Canada hasn't been honest with us, and this is how they they only had to. Maybe Canada's fine. Maybe Canada is fine. Maybe Canada's well, like, trying to tell us. Places like Australia and uh, China are now fine, and New Zealand. So I think. You know, New Zealand is fine. I've seen people at clubs in New Zealand having, like, living a normal life. Yeah. So maybe that's how it's going in Canada. 
Maybe. I mean, they are right next to America, which definitely hasn't, uh, you know, gotten <laughs> over it. So we'll see. Or, you yeah. know, the United States of we'll America. We'll see. It, it's all in North America, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's a good season to watch. And then new season of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 6 is out every Thursday. Check it out. Uh, uh, All Star, Do you know what All-Stars is, um, George, when it comes to RuPaul? I assume it's like pre- previous contestants that were popular coming back to compete against each other. You're amazing. Yeah. You know everything. Cool. So yeah, that's what it is. And some good contestants have come back. It's a good season. If you haven't started watching RuPaul's, just watch RuPaul's Drag Race. It's really good. It's fun. It's campy. It's great. Well, now let's go to a season that I've actually watched and finished and is a TV series called Feel Good. Do you know Feel Good? Feel Good. No, I've not heard of that. It's It's... It's written by uh, May Martin. Oh, 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 oh. Is this, the, it's got Charlotte Ritchie and Lisa Kudrow in it. Yeah. So it's, it's written by May Martin and Joe Hampson. Uh, season two uh, has come out. Uh, the series stars um, May Martin as May, a Canadian comedian that uh, works in the UK, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of autobiographical. And I think there are quite a few autobiographical things uh, throughout the series. Um, and uh, um, she uh, meets George, uh, played by Charlotte Ritchie, uh, in a club uh, after uh, she has done uh, a gig. And uh, the two start a relationship. Uh, George has never been with a girl, so so she's kind of uh, treading a new territory. Um, we discovered that uh, May has uh, suffers from addiction, or has have suf- has suffered from addiction, and right. uh, so the first se- season kind of. Uh, uh, explores their relationship mm-hmm. and um, May becoming a little bit obsessed and addicted to uh, George and the idea of George and also uh, May uh, wanting mm. George to uh, treat her ha- as her girlfriend and uh, George um, not really being able to open up to her friends to say that she's in a relationship with uh, another woman and um, in the first season you also meet uh, May's parents which are played by Lisa Kudrow and Adrian Lurkis which are fantastic uh, they're great uh, they're great people for the parents and you kind of figure out why May is a little bit the way she is and also um, George's um, housemate played by Phil Burgers or Burgers uh, is uh, really fun so the first season kind of explores their relationship and at the end of the first season uh, May has well, by the end of the first season May has uh, relapsed and so her parents take her back to Canada uh, to uh, to rehab. Uh, so the second season uh, starts uh, with May in rehab and um, there's a new character that comes in which is uh, May's good friend from Canada uh, that uh, helps her kind of escape rehab and um, and uh, May starts kind of uh, well by, by the first season May and uh, George have broken up and so the second season is about um, May uh, 
dealing with her new fame in the UK and uh, George uh, discovering new things about herself and her sexuality and also they get back together and they kind of uh, works uh, they kind of fall in love more in the second season um we find out that may uh, suffers from uh, ptsd and she is uh, um maybe uh trying to figure out also uh, what what she is if she's becoming a they or if they they're becoming a they and uh, exploring also her um her being non-binary so it's kind of the second season is kind of an exploration of finding out more why bay is the way she is and uh, also um george and may uh rich reaching um you know something like you know falling more in love with each other and uh the the ending scene is spectacular uh, what I, I really enjoyed uh, i really enjoyed the second season i thought it was really good you see more of lisa kudrow and adria lurkis which is really good cool good it's a good season yeah, you haven't watched any of it, have you? No, it keeps popping up on my Netflix, um, and I like Charlotte Ritchie, so I was looking at it, but uh, no, haven't got to it yet. Mm. I I think it's definitely something that it be, is good to watch, just to kind of, you know, I don't know, it's good. I like it very much. Cool. And then let's go to films. I watched a new yeah. Pixar uh, film called Luca. I think you watched it too. I did. <clears throat> you have watched it too. And uh, Luca is the new uh, Pixar uh, animation film. And today we're going to talk about coming of age films. And I watched a new coming of age film. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, produced, which was released this year. You can find it on Disney Plus if you have it. And um, is uh, directed by Enrico Casarosa. So I think that's why it's. Um, it's set in Italy, mm-hmm. so um, and uh, it's about uh, Luca Pagur, the, one of the main characters, and he's a young sea monster, and he lives off uh, the coast of uh, this uh, fictional Italian city. I think it's fictional, yeah. I never heard of Porto Rosso or this Italian city called Porto Rosso. And he, I think he comes from a, I think he's a farmer or something because he has goat fish. Yeah, he has <laughs> these the sort of fish thing. that he herds around. So some sort of farmer. Yeah, and uh, they're really cute because also they, uh, they, they look like goats. And um, <coughs> he is scared. Oh, sure. Excuse me. Bless you. Sorry. And uh, he's, uh, he's a classic thing that he would love to uh, explore the world. However, he is forbidden by his parents to approach the surface. And, you know, because he is a, is a sea monster and sea monsters are not really liked in these seaside towns. No. And um, one day, uh, Luca meets, meets Alberto Scorfano, uh, who is another sea monster. And... Um, he follows him uh, up to the surface because he's interested. And you find out that when the sea monsters are dry, they become humans. Yeah. Is that a spoiler? No. No, definitely not. It's the plot of the film. It's like the inside. It's the plot incident. of the film. 
very good. It's not the ending. And then, so um, Alberto and Luca become really good friends and uh, they want to, you know, have a, a fun time together. So uh, they decide to uh, go, well, they fall in love with the Vespa. They, they, they have, um, Alberto ha- lives in this turret and he's got this Vespa poster and the dream of these boys is to own a Vespa and to travel the world on a Vespa. I love their prototypes of Vespas. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> because uh, um, Luca's parents will not allow him to go to the surface, Luca and Alberto run off and they're going to live in the town of uh, Porto Rosso. Uh, and uh, soon uh, they discover that they can find Vespers and how to get them, uh, but also they discover that uh, the town of Porto Rosso might not be very friendly towards um, sea monsters. No, they don't In like fact, them at all. They, they don't like them at all, which I, that, I didn't really understand why, but I guess nobody likes sea monsters. I guess it's, just, it's going to be that like over... The years they've clashed with them in the in the seas because they've got all those uh, murals and statues of them fighting sea monsters mm. in the ocean, haven't they? So I think they're just meant to like it's just the way that people are scared of outsiders and things they don't understand. It's probably I think it's a bit of a commentary on that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so um, they um to win the money for a ve- uh, to get the money for a Vespa, they find out from a girl they meet uh, called uh, Julia, uh, that there is a competition where they can win some money. You're not really sure how much money because at one point they show a, a picture of a Vespa and nine thousand lira, but nine thousand lira is like four pounds fifty. Yeah. Or five euro, so I was like, "Oh, that's a very cheap Vespa," but good, good on that. And uh, together, uh, Julia, Luca, and Alberto um, start training for this competition, which has got the one of the best. So it's like a triathlon, uh, and one of the competition, one of the tasks is to eat like a plate of pasta, <laughs> which is lovely. Um, and then, of course, because it's a Disney film, the three have a little bit of a turmoil, uh, but then they compete uh, and they win and everything is fun. I don't want to give too many spoilers. What do you think? That's Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious that it started with these two fishermen speaking English with an Italian accent. It's like, <laughs> just... It's like okay, um, you know me and the things you could could at least put. It. But there are some words in Italian throughout the film, yeah, which is pretty cool. And it is a children's um, film. It is a children's film, and so I I I forgave it pretty quickly. Good. Um, it's beautiful to watch. It's really really nice. I think it's got a lots of as uh, watching as an adult. I think it's got lots of messages, uh, of like you know friendship and not being scared of the unknown i don't know the friendship between the three kids seemed to be be more like of support and love mm. and um the the friendship between luca and alberto is really sweet and yeah. really different from other male and male friendship and i think it's good to see that you can love a boy like that I think there's a stigma between boys loving boys in a genuinely loving way and I think if the stigma goes away I think it's 
quite nice to see i think that's my opinion yeah. i thought that was a really lovely kind of film to watch for that reason yeah the relationship between them is very sweet and pure i think yeah and nice yeah yeah definitely yeah which at that age i think maybe boys have the pressure to not have that yeah you know what i mean yeah definitely definitely i think yeah because yeah yeah, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what 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 did you think of the film yeah i really i liked it i really like the you know sort of um italian riviera aesthetic of the film i thought pixar brought it to life mm. really beautifully the animation's amazing i mean the the scenes where they're eating pasta the pasta looks like nicer than real life pasta almost. Yeah. It looked incredible. Yeah. Uh, all of the food. Um and yeah, so I thought that was amazing. I think they've like they continue to uh improve their animation quality with each release. I think Pixar, which is in- incredible. And then I realised that it's a very sweet, um, mm. low key story for Pixar. The last film they did was Soul, which is this big kind of meditation on on life and death and what's next and all of these things and it was quite nice to see a story about two sea monsters growing up and learning about the world and having that be enough for a film so yeah no i really really liked it i thought it was great and um it was nice it just sort of turned up on disney plus and you could just watch it without uh having to pay extra money or anything like that and it was just a, a fun treat um, so yeah, Luca was definitely a recommend for me. Definitely, it's uh, really really good. Cool, and uh, yeah, and then I watched uh, a film that it was uh, the first film was in my top nineties um, <coughs> films, cool. which was uh, Coming to America. Oh yeah. And I watched uh, Coming to America. Oh, yeah, the new one, the sequel. <laughs> the new one. Uh, and the new one uh, uh, is... Uh, oh, I forgot to say, just a second, who who is in Luca? What a star-studded cast. Yeah, 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 did have a good cast. Do you cast. think it's important if I say? Hmm? Yeah, Jacob Tremblay voices Luca. He's really good. Maya Rudolph voices Luca's mum. Jim Gaffigan voices his dad. Yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen voices the uncle, and but doesn't need to be in the film at all. No, why is he in the film? No, it's like, very it's weird. so pointless. It's a non-character, that yeah. bit. Um, it's always nice to see Maya Rudolph. I, I love having her in films. Yeah, she's cool. She's good. So, coming to America. Coming to America. So, uh, so the first one was about Prince Akeem wanting to find a wife in America, and he has f- found his wife. And um, so, the n- number two coming to America is set in Zamunda. King Jaffe Joffe, uh, who is Prince Akeem's dad, is about to die, and so uh, Prince Akeem is going to become King Akeem, but. Uh, King Akeem has got three daughters. And as we know, if you're a woman, you cannot be a queen and rule a country. I guess. Uh, And so um, they embark on... So they find out that uh, Prince Akeem, when he was in the United States, he had sex with this woman and made a child. So uh, King Akeem goes back to America uh, and finds... um, 
finds uh, Lavelle Johnson, who is his son, brings him back to Zamunda to become king. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not really fair on his uh, oldest, eldest daughter. Uh, Lavelle Johnson doesn't really feel like he um, fits in the society, although at the beginning he finds it amazing. Then he finds himself trapped uh, in... Uh, in becoming the king that he never wanted to be. And um, he falls in love also. He's supposed to marry uh, this woman, uh, but he falls in love with his, I think, hairstylist. And so he goes back to America uh, to uh, marry his hairstylist. And then um, Prince Akeem, which is also King Akeem now, uh, realizes that, all he wanted when he left for America is to find a wife and uh, and to be his own person and to revolutionize the monarchy. And now he's imposing uh, old ways onto his new son. And uh, so he goes, everything is fine. His daughter becomes the queen, blah, 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 blah. So I've heard really bad reviews about this film. Yeah. However, what I... Uh, so, first of all, I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. The The plot is a little bit... The, it's a bit predictable and it's a bit strange and it's weird that you would just find this guy and make him king even if you haven't even done a paternity test and whatever. And it's a bit, you know... Uh, it just portrays Africa as like... Everybody lives in between lions and there's palaces and it's a bit like that. Yeah. But the cast that was in the first one 20 years ago, no, 30 years ago, is back. So we have Eddie Murphy, who plays Prince Akeem, Asenio Hall, uh, then uh, Shari Hidley, who he married in the first one. She's back. Um, there is a James O. Jones is in it, has his father. Uh, John Amos, which is uh, his uh, father-in-law, is back. Um, lots of people have come back for this film to do it again. And I really like that because they were not lazy with it. So there's some scenes where they go, uh, they, they have a flashback in the past. And uh, there is a scene where they're in a club and he's trying to find, in, in the first one, uh, there is a scene in the club where they're trying to find a wife for, um, uh, Ed, well, for Prince Akeem. And then what they did with, the scene was the same as the film. And then what they did is prolong that scene by digi digitally changing their faces and showing the one nice stand that he had. It's like, I just really, I thought it was really clever. So although it's not a great plot, and, you know, it's a bit, uh, I thought it wasn't lazy. And that's what I appreciated about it. I thought it still had the silly humor and, it's, and it had the same character. So there was continuation. And, um, for example, in the first film, Prince Akeem didn't want to marry uh, this woman he was arranged to marry. And um, she comes back and one of the scenes is like, oh, you have to woof like a dog. And she comes back woofing like a dog. Like if you watch the first one and you love the first one, I think you can, I don't know, I felt that it was good. 
yeah. Um, also, Wesley Snipes is in it. Uh, Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan are in it. Um, I just thought, I just thought it was it was it wasn't bad. Like it's not an Oscar film, but if you want to spend an afternoon watching something that you watched a million times, but you know, set in twenty twenty, I think it's pretty cool. It's not it's not too bad. I'm glad. That's good. That's uh, surprising yeah. because, uh, yeah, like you said, it's pretty much gotten terrible reviews. But that's the thing. <clears throat> I think people have watched it as... <sighs> I, I I don't know. Coming to America 1, coming to America, the first coming to America, I thought it was silly enough and had... And it was it was a silly film, but really good. And I think this is as silly and... You know, maybe not as good, but it's executed really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, because they could have easily just not got all the cast back and just made a really, you know, lazy attempt. But I don't think there's anything lazy about this film. Okay. And I don't understand why they got such bad reviews. Interesting. Because I'm the biggest, like, you know, if if a film is... I don't know. Like, for example, I love Indiana Jones, but Indiana Jones 4 is the biggest pile of crap ever. <laughs> yeah, is it, it is. Indiana Jones 4? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. the Kingdom of the Crystal I'm Scroll. sorry. Yeah, and it's just like, there's nothing that you go, oh, it's, there's nothing nostalgic about it, and it's terrible, and it's lazy. But this has made a, a, an effort to bring back the characters, have a continuation, make it good, and... Yeah, it's not offense, and that's the thing. Like, if it, it feels like people are like, eh, again, it's rubbish. It's like, go, go away. You, you have no joy in your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it wasn't as bad as people said, in my opinion. Then, if you didn't enjoy it, then that's okay. And then the last film I want to talk about is a film released uh, last year. Was it last year? Yeah, uh, in 2020, um, directed by Judd Apatow, which I love, and is called The King of Staten Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I, I had no interest in watching this film because no. I'm not really a fan of Pete Davidson. Who is? Like, idiots. I don't really. Eh? Nothing. Go on. I'm not. I'm not really a fan, but I, I've, I've grown to like him now. I, I've, there's more depth to his character than I thought. And after this film, and after this performance, and kind of watching other things of him, I think, I think I didn't give enough time to him, or didn't. Yeah, I don't know. But um, so the film is, um, it stars Pete Davidson, Marisa Tomei. Anything with Marisa Tomei is top notch uh bill barr um maud apatow which is uh jude apatow's daughter all right uh steve buscemi which i thought it was a so i was like what is in it i didn't i, I watched <coughs> it because i i fancied watching it i didn't even like research on what it was and um yeah and it's about uh Scott Carlin who is uh a stoner he's a bit aimless and a bit uh 
He doesn't really know what, what to do and he wants to become a tattoo artist, but he doesn't really have the means or the courage or the drive uh, to do it. Um, he's, um, he's been kind of stuck uh, since his father died in an, um, in an accident during duty. His father was a firefighter and his mother has been single since his father has died. Um, and then uh, things switch a little bit and change uh, and his sister moves out to go to college and uh, one day he uh, starts tattooing a kid <laughs> in a park uh, and um, <laughs> the next day the father of the kid comes to the door and he's really angry and uh, this played by Bill Barr and um, Marisa Tomei, uh, his mother, uh, opens the door and Bill Barr and Marisa Tomei start uh, dating. Uh, we find out that uh, Bill Barr is also a firefighter, so it's a bit, um, I don't know, a bit too maybe traumatic uh, because his father died in the same thing. Mm. Uh, and so he kind of starts playing up a little bit like a kid because he hasn't really grown up. Um, and he starts being obnoxious and ridiculous, but then also Bill Barr starts being obnoxious and ridiculous. Um, and uh, he's just he's just a person that doesn't really want to grow up and uh, has a girlfriend that is not his girlfriend, uh, but he is his girlfriend, and he, he just doesn't... It just doesn't know. It's a, it's a slice of life film, so there's a lot of stuff happening and there's not much happening. Right. And uh, in the end, um, he kind of um, realises that maybe he's wasting his time and maybe he needs to start growing up a little bit and uh, taking control over his actions and not blaming things in the past, uh, like his father's death and his sister leaving, etc., etc. Um, like I said before... I never really enjoyed... I never really gave attention to Pete Davidson. I didn't really care. I didn't really have an opinion. But I thought... I thought it was really... This film kind of really shows a true talent of his. I think he's really, really good. A really good actor. And um, he's, um, he's kind of... Not autobiographical, but he's... Um, his Pete Davidson's father actually died uh, in as a, it was a firefighter and died um, in an accident um, uh, during nine eleven. I think it was in not in the I don't think it was actually in the towers, but it was um, near, and so it must have been quite hard to try and relive that as well mm -hmm. and put it into film. He suffers from kind of like anxiety and depression, so you kind of. You know, I think he kind of portrayed like a, a kind of vulnerable side of himself in this film. Um, Marisa Tomei, of course, is amazing in everything she, she does. I can't believe she only plays the mum and the aunt now. Yeah. <laughs> like, just put her something better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill Barr is really good. He's always good. Um, and then uh, Steve Buscemi is in it, which is crazy um he's old now which is also crazy but he used, he was a firefighter for a little bit of time in his life yeah. so uh, it's pretty sweet that they got him in but um yeah i i enjoyed it i thought it was good 
um, it's a slice of life. It was supposed to be two hours and fifty five minutes, but uh, this studio said it was too long. Good. Uh, so uh, now it's about a bit more longer than two hours, but <clears throat> maybe that that amount of time they cut maybe was necessary to give a little bit more meaning to the film. Yeah, I felt like the film was good, but I think it needed a little bit more substance. But I I I sense uh, a dislike for Pete Davidson. Yeah, I don't like him, and I'm not going to watch the King of Staten Island Vanity Project. But okay. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, Vanity Project? Well, it's just a film about him. But is it? Yeah, because he's all covered in tattoos and he is a tattoo artist in real life and <clears throat> I don't like Judd Apatow comedies very much and I don't like Pete Davidson, oh, okay. so I'm not... I, I just find okay. them all a bit self-indulgent. Yeah. I think sometimes you're too harsh on people. Maybe. George. Like, you're really... But uh, he's, Cause it's I'm like, not taking away uh, his career. He's mm. well, He's still got it. And the last thing uh, that I'm going to talk about is an album. Uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke about uh, Marina Diamandis, uh, who is former Marina and the Diamonds, but now she's just Marina. Mm-hmm. And I said I was listening. I listened to her latest release um, singles and the album before this one that has just come out on the 11th of June and I really enjoyed the singles so um, I uh, I was looking forward to listening to the album yeah. and um, it's called Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land and it's kind of a pop electro pop dance pop 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 uh, uh, classic marina uh, style with her beautiful uh, deep warm voice and um is uh it's uh it's i really enjoyed it is about a lot of like uh women and lgbt in q individual through history uh it's a really interesting and good fun album uh there's a line that every time that she sings i keep singing i keep singing which is um i think it's in uh Maybe Man's World? In a song, um, she says, uh, once upon a time you called us uh, witches, but now uh, you call us bitches, which I thought it was perfect. Uh, And uh, she lives in America, so there's a song called The New America and how, you know, she she perceives America to be, I think is a really good album and uh, definitely a recommendation from me, from uh, Marina, for Marina. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it for my culture catch up. Some films, an album, a series, some uh, not so popular films that I enjoyed. Yeah, but that's good. That's that's good to have dissenting opinions on here. Different opinions. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. What have you been up to? Uh, Join my... Isolation period, I've watched uh, about six seasons of Friends, so that's been fun. Yeah! yeah. Um, I like I like that show a lot more than I liked the reunion of that show, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I'm glad that reunion came around so that it um, encouraged me to go back and re-watch uh, Friends, because it's pretty funny and pretty good when you sort of need something to watch that's nice and calming and relaxing. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I've watched a lot of A Touch of Frost, <laughs> but I've talked about that <laughs> before on the podcast, so we won't get into that again. Um, so I've got a few films to talk about mainly today uh, that I've watched over the past month or so uh, since we last did a culture catch-up, starting with A Quiet Place Part 2. Ooh. Yeah, A Quiet Place Part 2, the sequel to A Quiet Place. Um, written and directed by John Krasinski and starring uh, Emily Blunt, along with John Krasinski, and uh, in the sequel, Killian Murphy, and the wonderful Millicent Simmons, um, who plays their daughter, uh, Emily Blunt's daughter. Uh, so, yeah, you like the first film, Alex, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I really enjoy the first film. So the, the second film was due to come out... Um, like last March, like just before or just after COVID hit and all of those things, uh, that film was due out. It was on the sides of buses in the UK and stuff. It was it was kind of on the way. And then um, when everyone had to go into lockdown, they pushed back the release of the film <clears throat> by like a full year. Uh, so it was a bit of a, it was a big delay. Um, but I'm glad that they did it because it was a great experience being able to go and see this in a cinema. Um the sequel picks up right where the first one ends. Uh, so small spoilers for Quiet Place Part 1 if you've not seen it. Um, uh, the dad has sacrificed himself to protect the rest of the family who have discovered that the um, earpiece he's been making for his daughter, who is deaf, uh, can affect the alien menace and uh, the monsters and immobilise them and allow them to be uh, killed. And the first film ends just as that revelation comes into play. And then the second film opens with them uh, realising that they have to go out and try and find people in the world. Um, although actually the, the film opens with this amazing flashback sequence showing the first day that these monsters arrived, uh, giving John Krasinski an opportunity to come back and be in it again for 10 or 15 minutes at the start to show uh, how it all kind of kicked off which is an amazing kind of action sequence, this uh, high street in this town just suddenly becoming this centre of absolute panic and mayhem as people try to work out what's going on. Uh, and then it cuts and, and it goes to kind of present timeline of the film. Uh, it introduces uh, Emmett, played by Killian Murphy, uh, who they end up uh, having to take shelter with. And then a big chunk of the movie splits the characters up and leaves Emily Blunt and the son... Uh, at, at this sort of home base area to try and keep things ticking over there while um, Regan, the daughter, heads off with Emmett to try and... Um, they've found a radio signal and she wants to broadcast this signal that disrupts the monsters over the radio to try and give people a weapon which they can use to fight the monsters. And that's kind of like the journey of the movie is them attempting to uh, to uh, pass this signal on so that the humanity can maybe be given a chance... Um, that sort of, that sort of structure of mainly focusing on, um, a guy and a young girl who's not his daughter, but they form a kind of father-daughter relationship is really, really, really similar to the one, uh, between Joel and Ellie in The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2, which you've heard me talk about, Mm. uh, on the podcast before. Uh, and there's, this film seems to take a lot of inspiration if not directly, then there's something that both things take inspiration from because there's a lot of there's a lot of thematic similarities and just visual similarities between the Last of Us games and and this film in particular. Um, 
but that just served for me to kind of uh, improve it because I like that aesthetic. I like that kind of apocalyptic thing, that relationship of the of the guy and the uh, and the girl learning to uh, work together is really good. Uh, the actors are really good in it, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a sequel that was exactly as good as the original, which is really really unusual, particularly for a horror movie, um, and. Yeah, it was brilliant. So yeah, Quiet Place Part 2 is a big recommendation. I thought it was wonderful. Um, awesome. And they've said that they're going to do a spin-off uh, in the future, oh. which I think is going to look more specifically at what is happening in this world and why these monsters are attacking and stuff. That might be an interesting thing. And then hopefully they'll mm. do a Part 3. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure it leaves it open for, for there to be more parts. So yeah, Quiet Place Part 2 was cool. And then after that, I saw, again in the cinema, uh, the new film uh, directed by Ilya Naishullah and starring Bob Odenkirk, Connie Nielsen, The RZA and Christopher Lloyd, Nobody. Uh, Nobody. Have you heard of Nobody, Alex? No, I haven't. Nobody is an action film starring Bob Odenkirk, who plays Saul Goodman on Better Call Saul, an unlikely action star. Mm. Uh, And he is a kind of normal (laughs) family man, uh, a nobody, if you will, who might be hiding a dark past where he was a CIA agent. Um, so it's quite a simple action movie, really. He's going about his normal everyday life. Everyone thinks he's he's a sort of normal guy. He encounters some house intruders, some people invade his house. He nearly takes them down, but realises he has to continue playing the part of a, of a nobody, so kind of lets them get away. And his son questions his manliness and his ability to protect the family, and he starts having all these doubts about the way he's living his life, and he ends up uh, attacking a bunch of um, gangsters on a bus, and... Uh, gets the Russian mafia on his back and has to spend the rest of the film fighting them off and showing that he is actually um, much more uh, adept at fighting than you might have thought. It's good. It's 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 a pretty short film. How long is it? It's 90 minutes long. So it's just about an hour and a half. And it really does just like... It, it sets up the characters. It introduces the drama and the conflict and then it just sets Bob Odenkirk loose on them and the kind of the the thing that really makes it a great mo- and enjoyable movie is Bob Odenkirk fully committing to being a sort of Keanu Reeves style Nicolas Cage style action hero because it's uh, a very odd thing to see that man uh fighting a bus full of <laughs> um uh goons and uh breaking noses and stuff and yeah it was it's it's a good film I enjoyed it it's fun um, I would recommend Nobody for sure. Uh, if you like films like John Wick, for example, I think uh, Nobody's right up your street. And hopefully they'll make a sequel. I could definitely watch more of this. Mm. So yeah, that's Nobody. Then I watched a film on Shudder, the the streaming service that uh, you can get through Amazon Prime Video. Uh, which and it was quite an interesting film, so I thought I'd bring it up today. It's originally from 1973, and it's only about 50 minutes long, and it was directed by George A. Romero, who is the guy that made Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and those mm. kind of original big zombie yeah. films. Mm. 
In the 70s, he was commissioned by the Lutheran Church in Western Pennsylvania to make an educational film about elder abuse to bring to light uh, the issue of elder abuse, basically, and make people consider uh, being more supportive of the elderly. And he went out and made this 50-minute-long surreal nightmare thing Uh and then he showed it to the church and they were like, oh, this isn't what we wanted at all. And they just buried it and hid it. And it's finally been uncovered today. And um, Shudder have kind of restored it into 4K and put it up on their uh, streaming service for people to watch. And it's this kind of lost George A. Romero film. And it's fascinating. It stars this actor called Lincoln Marzell and the film opens with him as himself wandering through this empty amusement park and explaining that what you're about to see is a, a sort of a public information film about elder abuse and that you need to consider the kind of situations you see him getting into in the film and the uh, kind of meant to be representative of the sorts of situations elderly people can find themselves in uh, in everyday life and it's meant to make us empathise a bit with, uh, with them. And then it cuts mm. to him going into this amusement park as a guy in a white suit and just kind of encountering all these quite strange scenarios from things like um, going to rides where you can only go on the ride if you have if you pay a certain amount of tax or if you have a certain uh, annual salary or going to try and have some food somewhere and not being and you know being given a different menu because you're old and not being treated in the same way or going on the bumper cars and bumping into somebody and then having this big debate about whose fault it was uh about whose fault it was and it was clearly the younger person's fault but everyone's teaming up on the elderly person and accusing them of it being their fault it's this absolutely bizarre surreal nightmare and it is quite scary because it just keeps piling on these unpleasant situations that he's wandering through and as the film goes on he gets more and more kind of dirty and he starts he's wearing this white suit at the start of the film so you really see uh his character kind of degrade over the course of the film until the end is completely kind of beaten down um, and it really does, like, it kind of works as what it was originally made for, but I can understand why um, a church in the 70s would have been reluctant to to show it publicly, because it is, it is more like a horror movie almost than it is. But then they hired, they hired a horror film director to make it. It's a very strange project. I'm not quite sure what they wanted, what they expected him to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's this odd historical document. It's only 50 minutes long. Um, and if you are interested in that kind of thing, I'd definitely recommend going on to Shudder and checking out The Amusement Park by George A. Romero. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Strange. Weird thing. After that, awesome. after that, uh, um, I got to see finally a movie that I've been really excited about for months and months and months. The new Ben Wheatley film, In the Earth. Uh, you've seen a couple of Ben Wheatley films now, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> so you know how uh, you never quite know what you're going to get necessarily when you sit down to watch a Ben Wheatley movie. Um, and this one, when you go to see it in the cinema, it pops up before the film starts with a warning that people with epilepsy may want to uh, avoid watching it because of the there are flashing light imagery, imagery and stuff like that at the end of the film, and it definitely kind of makes full use of that warning. Um, it stars Joel Fry, Reese Shearsmith, Hayley Squires, um, and Alora Torchia. They are main actors in it. And it was written 
during the first lockdown last year and filmed in about 15 days during the first wave of COVID. Wow. And very much um, it opens with Joel Fry's character is a scientist. He turns up at this place in the woods, uh, this lodge where he is like um, disinfected and tested and they are talking about waves. And they don't mention COVID specifically, but does it's very much set in a world that is experiencing some sort of pandemic and he's been sent to the forest okay. to try and do some research uh, to discover um, ways of improving crop yields, I think, is, is, the, is the idea. So he stays one night in this lodge where he's been uh, tested and cleaned, and then he goes off into the woods with his guide, Olma, where they're going to try and get to this um, scientist, uh, Olivia Wendell, who, has, who is conducting this research deep in the woods. And he's there to... Um, assist her on the way um they they camp out for the night and they get in the middle of the night they get woken up and attacked and they don't know who's attacked them and they wake up the next morning all their gear's been taken and their socks and shoes have been stolen and um they they decide they have to push on and try and find this doctor and explain what's happened and uh, as they're going through the woods they encounter zach played by reese shearsmith uh who is uh, a great actor from the League of Gentlemen, who I'm a big fan of, and um, he claims he's going to help them, and things sort of take a turn for the worse eventually, and it all sort of spirals and spirals into this f- sort of surrealist nightmare in the woods. Like Ben Wheatley. Yeah, the scenes of... Um, Classic Ben Wheatley. The scenes of mushrooms. <laughs> Everything spirals just... <laughs> Out of control. Exactly. In the classic Ben Wheatley <laughs> way, there's scenes of mushrooms that suddenly start releasing spores and they all start hallucinating and you know you don't know what's real and wow. what's not real and it all just becomes this crazy science fiction, folk horror, um, nightmare, dream world and it's the best. It's just the best. Um, Joel Fry, who has recently been very good as one of the henchmen in Cruella, is brilliant here in the lead role of Martin and uh, the whole cast actually really, really good. Alori Allura Torchia as um, Alma. She's actually in... You, you, uh, have you seen Midsummer? You have seen Midsummer, haven't you? I have. She's the British girl in Midsummer who is part of that couple ah, okay. who leave kind of early on or disappear. Um, she's great in this. Yeah. She's really, really good in this. Um, <laughs> okay. And Hayley Squires as the scientist. When she finally turns up, the movie really takes a kind of turn into, again, being really strange. And she does a great job with her role. And the soundtrack is great. It's all these strange synthesizers. And I think the, the guy who did the score um, somehow used the electrical signals from trees and stuff to help make the soundtrack. Like, it's all very, um, you know, arty of that kind. But uh, I liked it. And, yeah, it's the best film I've seen this year. I'd be surprised if I saw a film I liked more this year because I, I just love Ben Wheatley so much and his aesthetic and kind of what he does. So... Yeah, it's a that's my big recommendation for today. Five stars. I loved um in the earth. It was wonderful. So people should check that out. And the last film I want to talk about is um the first part of a trilogy. I watched Fear Street Ooh. Part One, nineteen ninety four. Have you heard of this? No. So it's you might what a new trilogy or well that's the thing. It's interesting. So it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix film. And yeah. um, it's based on the Fair Street books by R.L. Stein, which were released in the sort of 80s and okay. 90s. And they were these anthology kind of young adult horror books. Uh, that all mm. I think they were all set on this street. I think I read some of them. I read Goosebumps more than Fair Street, but they were set on this in this town on the street and they were all various different kind of spooky, scary stories. 
and Netflix have made um, a trilogy of films uh, all set in different eras. So the first one is set in 1994, the second one is set in 1979 or 1978, and the third Mm. one is set in 1666. And the first one came out... uh, Two days ago, as we're talking now, on Friday, July the 2nd. The second one is out next Friday, July the 9th, and the third one is out the Friday after that. So they've made three movies, this trilogy, but they're releasing them all like a week apart. And they're new releases. And they're brand new films, yeah. They're all brand new, and they're just putting them all wow. out one week apart, okay. which is a, a cool kind of project. Um, and I first saw the trailer for the trilogy like a few weeks ago, and I hadn't really heard of it before that, and I got pretty excited because it looked very interesting, very stylish. Um, It's got a pretty good cast. It's got lots of kind of Netflix standbys in it. So the first movie opens with Maya Hawke, who's uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. And she's in Mm. the third season of Stranger Things. She's a great actress. And it's also got Gillian Jacobs turns up a bit in it and it's got a few other, um, you know, good actors in it. The second film is going to have the actor that played Max uh, in Stranger Things in it. Uh, and mm. I'm not sure who's in the third film, but um, but it's the idea is that it's one big story told across three films. The first film, uh, set in 1994, is kind of a big homage to Scream and slasher movies of the 90s. The second film, set in the 70s, is going to be set in a summer camp, and the idea there is that it's sort of uh, an homage to Friday the 13th type summer camp horror films of the of the late 70s and 80s. And then the third movie is going to be set in the 1600s, and who knows what that is even going to be. That's It's it's really interesting. So I was really excited to um, watch them as they came out, and the first one came out on Friday, and I gave it a go. And um, it's it's an enjoyable time. It's a good film. It's, it, it's interesting that it's based on a kind of young adult uh, book series, but it's definitely like an R-rated American horror film, so there's swearing and violence and all the kinds of things that you'd expect from you know, quite serious horror, Mm. but it is a Netflix production. So it does feel it has a very, it's very glossy and shiny in the way that Netflix productions are. Um, And you can sort of tell maybe there's a limit to the special effects in the film as to how good Mm. they, they get, but that's all kind of understandable. It's done with a lot of charm. The characters are very, um, witty there's lots of one-liners it's quite reminiscent of Buffy at times in a way um which I'm fine with uh I could see if you were kind of a bit of a um a horror uh what's the word like purist and you didn't like things to be too cheesy and silly Mm. you'd probably not really get on that well with it but um in terms of like this this idea of this big project this trilogy of movies all releasing within two weeks of each other I thought it was a pretty good start. I really enjoyed it. I thought the actors were good. It had some. It's got some great gory, scary moments. There's a bit with a bread slicing machine, which I'm not gonna forget anytime soon. That <laughs> was really, really mm. shocking. And uh, there's a few other good sort of kills and moments, and there's some good sort of creepy designs for some of the um, monsters and different characters. I mean, the the basic plot of the movie is that the the film opens with somebody getting murdered. It's like a kind of typical slasher thing. And then the film follows these five main teen characters who are trying to uncover why people are being murdered. And they sort of slowly start to unravel that it's got something to do with a witch that was killed in the 1600s, which presumably is what uh, this is going to be kind of 
looked at as the films uh, continue to be released and um, they end up having to kind of try and fight this supernatural set of slasher monster things that um, keep coming after them and then the film ends on a big sort of cliffhanger and it will be continued next week with part two, 1978 and that's cool nice yeah. it's quite exciting actually. it is i'd recommend like... giving it a go i think i mean i think even <laughs> uh, only george have seen my face and uh and, well i guess uh, yeah no no i know well maybe i mean it's like it's like if stranger things was just a bit more violent you know i'm not i'm not i'm not as harsh as you I, i'll watch anything if you know sure Sure. And uh, I'm not as uh, hypercritical. Fine. That's fine then. So uh, give First Street a go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, other than that, um, it's very exciting that football is about to come home. And that's about it. <laughs> well, both Italy and England are doing pretty well. So we'll see. Yeah, we will see. But, yeah, cool. Um, that's all of my culture catch up for today. Nice so. Yeah, thank you. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. Now. So, um, uh, our homework was uh, to listen to our naughties band and uh-huh. you asked me to listen to uh, one of your top five naughties bands which is called Misty's Big Adventure oh yes and the album is called uh, The Black Hole mm-hmm yes uh so uh let's talk about Misty's Big Adventure first so Misty's Big Adventure is uh are an eight piece band didn't realize there were yep. so many uh, oh, yeah. from Birmingham, and uh, their music is quite eclectic. They have jazz, lounge, psychedelia, two tone pop, and punk. Uh, current lineup: uh, Grandmaster Gareth, <laughs> which is a hilarious name. Yeah. Uh, Hannah Baines, uh, Lucy Baines, Lucy Bassett, Matt Jones, Sam Minner. Uh, Jonathan Keege, an erotic Volvo. Love that name, but he's just a dancer. Erotic he is Volvo. pretty much just a dancer, but he's cool. Do anything else about dancing? Um, quite cool that there's so many women in this eight-piece band. You know. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, uh, so um, and that's pretty much it about the band. They're like a fixture in uh, the Birmingham's experimental scene. Uh, since 1996 and uh, um, he the singer has got an interesting voice I uh, he's got this kind of uh, very interesting way of singing which mm. I thought it was um, it was good I was I know I say this a lot but knowing what you have recommended me in the past and it's all the and and this I, th- this was really unexpected <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> yeah um so um I had to listen to uh the black hole uh and I think is there they've done quite a few I think it's their second al- third album uh, released in 2005. Mm. And uh, so the the thing that the thing that first got 
me was his voice. Yeah. I was not expecting his voice. It's kind of like a interesting I would say slightly country music kind of voice. Hmm. Like very like her. I don't know. I just in some songs it felt really like country like. Um okay. and I don't know, maybe maybe it's not maybe it's not country, but it just felt like really like warm and I was expecting something more shouty because I think when I hear pop punk from you, like when I I, I after you talk <clears throat> after you talk listen to Squid, I listened to Squid and I was like, Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, that's like that's what I expect from what right. you like of pop punk. Like really like screamy kind of rah! Right, and this was yeah. not at all that. No, 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 uh, it's not. It and, doesn't. Um, yeah, it's very talky um, sometimes. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. But the the album. So first of all, the, as a band, they're 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 really good. There's a really good ensemble of people. I think like musically, they're amazing. Mm. This album is very eclectic, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's not really. I can't really pinpoint. I liked it. First of all, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I listened to it a few times. I listened to it while cooking, uh, while building uh, some kind of furniture this week, uh, while driving to work. Um, I, so I enjoyed listening to it, but I can't... It's it's really eclectic and it's got lots of... It's got 15 songs that are very different from one another. Yeah. Didn't really follow uh, a flow, which I'm, you know, I'm a very eclectic person. I like anything. So I... I kind of enjoyed that but the problem with eclectism and talking about it you go uh, i enjoyed it i enjoyed the songs and it was good it's a good album uh but i can't yeah i think yeah it's it's a good album and i really enjoy the songs um and it's got lots of influences in it's not just one style of music um it's very even even in one song you can kind of feel like the the shifting of styles um but what is good about it? I think anybody can enjoy this album. I don't yeah. think that it's just like, because you don't, you, it's not one style of music. There's many. And I think you, everybody can find something in this album that they can enjoy. Mm. And uh, I thought that was really good. And um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a good album and they seemed like a cool band um, and quite and not well known. It's very hard to find details about them yeah they're not the biggest band in the world yeah so i found some stuff on wikipedia but if you actually wanted to know about the album itself it was like oh um (laughs) yeah um but no i i enjoyed the album i thought it was good i um i think i think quite like the second song never stops never rests never ends oh yeah that's a good that's the one that i remember the most I like of that the song. The story of love's a good song. Elevate the escalator stairs is a good song. There's a mm. lot going on in my mind. It's a yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. A, it's an interesting album. Um, yeah. I, it's, but it's my, really like, long as well. Yeah. How long is it? Forty four minutes. Yeah. It's forty four minutes. So it's quite long. And so sometimes I think I got a little bit lost in doing other things because it wasn't because it's so 
eclectic and so long, you kind of go, oh, is it still the same album? But good, good choice, good, good notice band. I I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah, and one that people who listen might not have heard of or listened to, so yeah. people should go and go and check them out. Yeah. If you haven't listened to uh, Misty's Big Adventure, a band, I would definitely recommend listening to it because mm. it's uh, they're good. And they're really cool live, so uh, if you get a ch- if you get mm. a chance, then check them out live. They're, yeah. they're good. Yeah. That's definitely my best way to... I would love to see uh, to... Erotic Volvo dancing around. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> you've got it. It's a sight to be seen. It really is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they're still, yeah, they're still out there doing their thing. Um, cool. That's good. I'm glad you liked it. So that was your homework, Misty's Big Adventure. My, my naughty's band that I had to listen to was one of your favourites, uh, Roiksop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Norwegian electronic music duo um, from Tromsø. Uh, they formed in 1998 and they it, their name is uh, they're sort of named after a certain type of mushroom, is that right? But they're, but spelt slightly differently which is sure. I guess so. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the uh, that's what I, that's what I read on Wikipedia about them. Uh, they're a sort of um, electronic band, but not so much in the vein of Daft Punk or anything like that. They're much more ambient and mm. sort of downbeat uh, than that. They definitely sound like uh, music from the noughties, and they definitely sound like music that you would enjoy because uh, there's definitely kind of not exactly similarities, but there's a there's a there's um you could imagine someone who enjoyed Sigaros would also enjoy this band. If that makes sense, yeah. yeah. Um, which is good. Which, um, which is good that you recommended them to me because I like uh, Sigaros, which is good. They're still together. They're 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 strange. It's they're they're an odd band that they're still together, but they're not going to make any more albums. They've said is that that's what I was reading that they're yeah. they're now just going to put out music <laughs> as and when they make it, but not necessarily for albums. They've done a lot of stuff for like adverts and other things. It mm, seems yeah. since. Uh, yeah. Since their last album in 2014, it was called The Inevitable End, um, which, what do you think about that? The idea of a band sort of not breaking up, but just not making albums anymore? I feel like the music industry has got a lot of pressure and you have to take and you have to like do so many things to be a successful artist. Yeah. Um. I guess if you go independent in that sense and just do music for adverts, you're still doing what you love, which is music. Yeah. But you're probably less, um, you have less pressure of uh, releasing an album every three to six years, being a a mess about from the music industry, touring. You're, You're definitely, you're making more money from doing that than being just kind of like doing gigs around Norway. Yeah. Um, and you kind of maybe experimenting more and being free and to experiment more. I don't know. I, th- I It's your own. But the more you find out about the music industry being like quite unflexible and... Mm, and not really sometimes not fair i think if that's your decision i think that's pretty cool that you're happy to do that yeah that's fair enough but how about you like as a fan of them the idea that you're not going to get any more 
collections of music from Oh, well, I left them at the noughties. Like, they were my favourite band in the noughties. I don't... I haven't considered really them after the noughties, you know? That's fair. Or what they've released. And yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. Like, that's that's the kind of music that I really enjoyed. And I still enjoy now, because I, I, you know, I... I've, you know, I started listening to them again. Um, but, yeah, it's disappointing that you're, you're not going to have anything from Royksop that is an album anymore. But at the same time what they released has been pretty good. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, so I had to listen to their first album, Melody AM, from 2000 and... When was this album released? 2001. So right mm. at the start of the noughties. So they really are noughties band. Um, <clears throat> and it turned out that I totally knew... Like, I recognised some of the songs already. In particular, the second trap, Eple. Yeah. Is, yeah, because they're so they're really they're like their music has been used so much. Yeah, without me realizing it, yeah. I knew like a bunch yeah. of songs, and in particular that uh, yeah. that second track is a song that I knew and really really liked. So it was nice to finally mm-hmm. kind of have a name to that sound, if that makes sense. Because um, it's definitely that's been used in adverts yeah. and films and stuff for years and years. That that track, um, and it's good. It's really uh, almost. The opposite but similar problem to what you were saying, Mrs. Big Adventure, is because it's kind of an ambient album, other than those bits that I really already knew and recognised. It just was like a really pleasant, lovely thing that washed over me, and I enjoyed. Mm. And I'm definitely, like, I'm going to listen to them more. I'm not going to leave them behind having done them as homework. Um, They're definitely a band that I think I could enjoy and listen to more, particularly this album. So, um, yeah, it's they're really really good. They are a great electronic act. I don't listen to too much electronic music, but I like that kind of European area of the world where mm. sort of ambient chill out music comes from and it's nice to sometimes just have that on particularly while you're doing some work or getting something done and um yeah, they're great. They're really really good. I'm glad you recommended them. And they're very much the kind of thing that I would expect you to to like. Ah, oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad because I wasn't sure if you might like them because they're. I think we could you could have gone both ways with Rogsop. I think you could have really really liked them or just thought there was kind of like ambient music that you you know. But I'm glad you like them because I think I think they're they're really good and their music has been used so much in so many adverts, even in the albums or like films and yeah, yeah. they're very well known. Certainly are. They certainly are. Okay, cool. cool. Brilliant. Right, that's fantastic. All Good successful homework time. So, yeah. Should we move into our top five? <sighs> yes. Cool. Good. Good. Yes. Good. 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 Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. So you're going to open us up with your fifth favourite coming-of-age film. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> coming-of-age films are about, you know, usually uh, like a change in somebody's life, probably school time or like... I think coming-of-age is like a big spectrum, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, there's like a real... I mean, like it's just huge. films. They they're often high school films, but not necessarily high school films. Yeah. Uh, but they're films generally that follow a character who 
changes fundamentally over the course of the story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and there's a loss of innocence. Mine were going to be all high school, and I was like, no, Alex, there's much more to coming of age than high school. So I've gone a little bit like it's going to be an eclectic top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, 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 because we like that. We absolutely do. Um, Because if not, I was going to be talking about five of the same film, but with different (laughs) actors. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it happens at high school and this was happens. Okay, so my number five is a film from uh, 1996. Uh, The director is a controversial director. So uh, I'm sorry, but this is a great film. So it's directed by Bernardo, Bernardo Bertolucci. And is a film that I like the Italian. I watched it in Italian, with the Italian title, and I think the Italian title makes more sense. So the Italian title is Io ballo da sola, which translated is I dance alone, but in English is called Stealing Beauty. Huh. Have you heard of it? No. Have you watched it? No. Oh, so my number five is Stealing Beauty and it stars um, Liv Tyler, uh, Sinead Cusack, Jeremy Irons, uh, Rachel Way. I can never say her name. Rachel Weitz. Wise, I always say. Wise. Wise. Uh, Wise. Wise. Uh, Stefania. Wise, uh, Stefania Sandrelli, who is like a really big Italian actress, um, jo- Joseph Fiennes. So this is the story of Lucy Harmon, played by Liv Tyler. Uh, uh, and when she was 15, she visited uh, this Tuscan town uh, where her mother, uh, that her mother loved. And um, four years later, uh, she goes back to this uh, town after her mother's suicide and uh, she returns uh, to kind of um, go back to some old memories and to um, kind of uh, maybe reconnect with her mother and her roots. Also, four years prior, she had kissed a boy and she's hoping to see him again. And um, it's the story of her... Finding herself and growing, uh, realizing that uh, what she wanted when she arrived in Italy is not what she wants anymore. Mm. And uh, she she's a virgin. So that's a big part of the film. And uh, she all men love her. She's like this. Um, she's this kind of like light force the men love and but uh nobody can really have her in a way and she's kind of also trying to find her father because she thinks that the father that she has in the in the states is not her real father and she thinks that one of the men that is in this villa might be her uh real father and uh, it's a really beautifully shot film. It's Bernardo Bertolucci. You know, he has done some big mistakes in the past, but he's an incredible filmmaker. And the way this film is shot is just 
beautiful. And there's um, conversations around, uh, you know, the dinner table, for example, where he just shoots everybody and everybody's reaction. And it just feels like you're there with the, with, with the actors and you're talking to them and you're getting drunk with them and you're eating with them and you're smoking weed with them. It's just... Um, really beautiful nice what's your number five man my number five is a film we've talked about before on this podcast it's a 2016 Ooh. new zealand film uh written and directed by taika waititi uh who Use. we know very well <clears throat> and love absolutely uh it stars sam neill and julian dennison and it is hunt for the wilder people great choice man thank you Great, bloody choice. Uh, Hunt for the Little People follows Ricky Baker, a juvenile uh, delinquent who's been abandoned by his mother and um, taken in by child welfare services who leave him to live on a farm with his um, foster aunt and her husband. And early on there's a tragedy and um, Ricky is basically left living with the cantankerous, angry old husband played by Sam Neill, um and they don't like each other and maybe they're gonna over no. the course of the film they're gonna learn to appreciate each other and work together and uh, maybe Ricky Baker will uh, grow up a little bit and maybe come of age slightly perhaps you might say um <clears throat> they yeah uh the film sort of is about them they sort of end up having to go on the run together for various reasons and they're being hunted down by a uh, child welfare officer played hilariously by Rachel House, who has turned up in other things re- uh, since, um, and is always great. And yeah. um, it's just a really heartfelt, beautiful film. It's got that particular sense of humour that only Taika Waititi seems to possess and is able to infuse into uh, into his movies really well. And um, I love it. I saw it for the first time when it came out in the cinema in 2016. I've watched it a couple of times since. And I think it's just great. I think Julian Dennison um, was a real, like, incredible discovery in this movie. He plays Ricky Baker perfectly. Um, he's ended up getting quite a lot of work since and hasn't... I've he's What was he in recently? He was in The Christmas Chronicles 2 and he wasn't great in that. And then he was in... Um, he was in, the, yeah, the Godzilla vs. Kong film. And he's okay in that, but he's... Taika Waititi seemed to really be able to um, get an amazing performance out of him uh, and I think other directors have kind of used him because he's so good in Hunt for the World of People but not played necessarily to his strengths since, which is a pity because I'm hoping that he will do more. He's in he's in Deadpool 2 and he's very good in Deadpool 2 um, mm. and I hope that he gets, you know, he gets more opportunities to shine in the future because he's just so, so good in this film. And then obviously there's no point talking about it. I just love and adore Sam Neill. He's the absolute best and he's great in this. Um, and who's who? Get, and he goes through, even though, you know, Sam Neill's, you know, quite old, he, he goes through his own sort of coming of age and maturity story in this film as well. And I think that's what makes it such a great film is the kind of parallel journeys that these two characters go on as they learn to, uh, to find love in each other um, and adjust to the loss of someone that they both uh, loved in their own ways. So, yeah. You like this film, don't you? Alex? I like it. I love it. I love this film. It is the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a really good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so good. Um, 
And yeah, we've talked about it in the past, so I won't go on about it too much more, but I love it. It's a great film. Hunt for the World of People. Nice-o. Nice-o. Nice, nice. Cool. So my number four. Okay. Yes. So my number four is a 2010 coming-of-age film uh, starring Emma Stone. Do you know which one it is? I think so. Yeah. And it's called Easy A. Nice. It's on my list as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, like, this could be like, I love this film. Yeah. Uh, Easy A. And uh, so, uh, Easy A stars Emma Stone as Olive. Um, and uh, she... Uh, She's she's good at school. She's amazing, and uh, but uh, after like a lie that comes out that she has uh, lost her virginity, um, she she decides to kind of use this rumor to uh, get money, I guess, and uh, advance her social. Standing in school, because, you know, in American schools, you have your, well, you have your cool kids, your jocks, your goths, and that's what happens. I don't know. Is this the same in the UK? Yeah, I guess so. Um, not as, not as clear cut, no. Yeah, not as clear. She's got cool parents, which are really fun. Yeah, and, parents are great. Uh, They're like all the time parents best are like one of like an incredible part of the film. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think like they kind of also make the film because they're, they're like really cool, they're really understanding. Um, she's studying the Scarlet Letter, which is it seems like in America they start they study always the Scarlet Letter. It's definitely and one that they like to bring up in that, films, isn't it? Yeah, and because uh, she has this new reputation of like the harlot, she decides to put an A. <laughs> <laughs> on her clothes like in the book the scarlet letter um there's an incredible uh scene when she, of her birthday uh when she's got this card that uh, sent from her grandma um when uh would have uh, what's her name oh, i was it natasha Bed- beddingfield Natasha Beddingfield, pocket yeah. full of shan- sunshine. Yeah, I've got a pocket full of sunshine. sunshine. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's just it's just a great film. It's just fun. Emma Stone is perfect in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those films where everything comes together perfectly and it just is just this incredibly fun, easy-to-watch, heartfelt um, high school comedy movie that um is yeah kind of manages to be better than the sum of its parts better than you kind of expect it to be and i could watch it just about any day of the week it's great yeah exactly and i think that's that's a, a good thing about a coming of age film comedy like, yeah yeah you could just watch it all the time and just be happy with it they got emma stone at the exact right point in her career as well yeah for, to be in that film yeah they 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 struck yeah, gold because this was after it was after Superbad, wasn't it? I think she so. Just yeah. Was in another, yeah, and Superbad. She was in Superbad before, and then um, she was in this one, and yeah, it's just a really good. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A good pick. I like it. Yeah. Amanda yeah. Bynes is very good in it as again. well. It's got a great cast. Hmm? Amanda... Yeah, Amanda Bynes. Yeah. Amanda Bynes used to be so amazing in these kind of films. You know, I know. she's the man. This. Um, let me find 